Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this new crazy mother. What's up, monkeys? Monkey Dan here, and welcome to the Live Wild or Die podcast. On this episode, I am stoked to have Mark Bell, the wild man of the West, and probably probably one of the strongest wild men out there. So for the, I'm sure many of you are familiar with Mark, but for those of you that are not, Mark, he's a world and American record powerlifter holder. He's currently ranked in the top 10 all-time powerlifters. His total, so that means his squat, his bench, and his deadlift. So if you combine those three lifts, his total is 2,628 pounds. So that that's uh that means a 1080 pound squat, 854 pound bench and 766 pound deadlift. So the dude's legit. He owns a gym called the Super Training Gym out in West Sacramento. It's a free gym. And uh he's a business owner. He invented Mark Bell Slingshot, which has been super successful especially in the powerlifting scene. He's run strength seminars for CrossFit and has been a subject matter expert for many years. And he's just a, he's a really insightful guy. He's really, he's really thinking deep and reflecting back on himself. And I've been following him on social media, Instagram and his podcast as well, which is Mark Bell's power project. And he's really gotten deep into stoicism, just sharing his kind of journey through being the super high level competitive athlete to being a business owner, a dad, a friend, all these things. So I really appreciated him taking the time to chat with me, and I learned a lot, and I think you guys will too. So, here we go. We're hot. All right, monkeys, I am stoked to have the strongest wild man of the West, Mark Bell, on the Live Wild or Die podcast. Thanks for coming on, Mark. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. I, uh, I've been following your posts on Instagram pretty regularly as well as the show, the power project. And, um, I've really noticed the last, I don't know, at least a couple months that stoicism has been like high on the list for what you're talking about, what you're into, what you're thinking about. And I was just curious to start off. How did you kind of get into stoicism? What kind of kicked that, that interest off? Yeah, I think, uh, stoicism can be great, you know, for a lot of people to implement just, uh, because, you know, you don't have to be dragged around by your thoughts. You know, I think uh, a lot of times we think whatever input that we get, um, maybe from others or from news or from wherever, I think that we think that a certain input has to equal a certain output. And uh, that's just a fallacy. It's not It's not necessarily true. Uh, it's just the way that you, you view things. Um, it's the way that you interpret them. Uh, just like, you know, many of the people that follow this show, um, when you think about fitness, especially at home fitness, you think about, you know, exercising at home. Um, yeah, you can kind of view it of like, I don't like, I don't want to go in my garage and like, it's hot, you know, <laughs> out here in California, it's smoky outside and stuff like that too, because of the fires <clears throat> and, um, you know, or you can think about it, you know, like I have an opportunity, like there's a bunch of weights in my garage, <laughs> Like that's rad. I'm going to go out there and I'm just going to move around a bunch of weights and get some movement going and feel good about myself for the day. So that's where some of that uh, has stemmed from. And I would also just say that, um, 
it's not necessarily, you know, just stoicism. I think you can pull these things from all different kinds of areas. And so the stoic philosophers had a lot of great information, but I would also say that, you know, you can, you learn this from a lot of different people that we interact with. There's some people that just have really good uh, emotional IQ where they don't really get rattled by stuff. And you can kind of think of yourself, you know, as being one of those people, like, could you, could you maybe be a little bit more like that? Or would you rather be, you know, uh, if you think about like, I'm a huge football fan, so I don't know how many people will get this reference, but there's, um, there's been quarterbacks who have done it the way that Brett Favre has done it kind of fiery and excited and happy and pumped up and telling jokes on the sidelines. And then there's been other people who have done it the way that like a Dan Marino has done it, where he's like kind of angry the whole time or look at like the difference between like a Kobe Bryant, right? You got like Kobe, Kobe or Shaq. There you go. That everyone should be able to swallow that one pretty, pretty easily. Like Kobe, you know, Kobe was like so uh, immersed with winning that he didn't his his own happiness. He didn't care about. But Shaq wanted to win and have fun. And then you could kind of play out what which way would you want to be? It's OK. You can, choo- you can choose either way. But the point is, is that uh, we have a lot more choices than we think. Right on, man. Yeah, it's um. I remember my coach in college whenever, you know, we'd be running uh, gassers or whatever at the end of practice, he, he framed it as an opportunity to improve your cardiovascular conditioning. So I, when you mentioned the opportunities, I, I just, I think a lot of people, they don't, if they can kind of reset their mind and frame it to take advantage of every little opportunity, whether it's improving your mind, improving your body, it's uh it all counts and it all adds up. So I love hearing that. I'm also a big, a big fan of um, <clears throat> like, I, I go on YouTube a lot and listen to a lot of different people, but one of the, first people I started to listen to was a guy named Jim Rohn, R-O-H-N, Jim Rohn. Um, Jim Rohn was, is a person that talks about personal development. And um, I think that's what the Stoics were trying to get at basically is that you should work on yourself a lot. And they said it in many, many different passages and in many, many different ways, but I don't think anyone really came out and said it like wherever you're at today with your personal development, uh, should be far advanced, you know, three, four years from now. And it doesn't really mean, <clears throat> it doesn't necessarily mean you climb the corporate ladder or it, it's not really about, you know, where you're at from like a cultural success standpoint, but it's more like just where you at with your own, like what, what bothers you, you know, like what, what, what really impacts you, what affects you and uh, what are the things that make you feel good? And then, you know, learning these things is great. You stack them up. You start to learn. Wow. I really like that. I really enjoy that. I'm going to do that more, or I'm going to figure out my life to the point where I can kind of focus in on doing that kind of all the time, that kind of stuff. Sure. For sure. I saw that you posted a quote recently. It was an, it's a Socrates quote, an unexamined life is not worth living. And that I, I've I've heard that concept kind of over the years, but I first of all I forgot I didn't really realize it was Socrates. So that's always good to hear the wise man saying that. But how how have you shifted into this like mindset of wanting to examine your life versus you know in that post you mentioned a lot of people don't even want to go there. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's um. Well, so people don't want to go there because it's it can be really uncomfortable. And uh, it's easier to kind of live your life like an animal and not have to really think about your thoughts a whole lot because 
they can, again, they can drag you down. Um, and if somebody had like a, a crappy uh, childhood or something like that, I mean, um, you know, your emotions can kind of take, take you all over the place. And so I think people don't really want to examine it, but if you were to take a couple steps back, you know, if you were to kind of get a drone shot of what you're doing in your life, um, you know, what things are you maybe repeating that you could work on that maybe your parents repeated to you that's not so healthy or, you know, what are the healthy, unhealthy habits that you may have that aren't helping your own progress or, how are you, um, how are you impacting your own progression? You know, I think, uh, a lot of people challenge their own progression every day and life doesn't need to be that way. It could, you could be advancing your progression every single day, because like you said, every day is an opportunity. And if we replace the word work with opportunity, um, we'll really be, you know, having the correct, uh, mindset, but the unexamined life is a really weird thing because, um, if you didn't examine your life, you might be able to go through life actually pretty happy um, because you just were uh, um, too ignorant to really stop and look at the, you know, things that you were doing that may not have been great. Um, and and that that's probably the way that people uh, get along with uh, alcoholism or drug abuse or abusing their children is because they don't really stop and say, wow, like I'm, you know, I need to correct these errors. And uh, I'm of the opinion that uh, all knowledge comes from correcting errors and that uh, forms of problem solving is where all happiness comes from. So if you can solve the problem of uh, drinking too much or you can solve the problem of eating too much, um, I mean, you can just, you know, look across the board, you know, anytime that you're able to solve a problem, if we were able to solve a problem of, uh, the environment, uh, you know, getting, getting beat up by how much uh, transportation that we have. I mean, that would, that would help, uh, not only increase people's happiness, but increase, um, just people's health and safety. So look across the board and you'll, you'll kind of recognize that's a common theme. These are, these are like what I would call, I would call universal. These are universal laws, you know, when we're talking in the gym, it's like, where do we start? What's a universal thing that everybody that is about to lift needs to know? And uh, there's just some principles in the gym that are, okay, well, you know, for most of the exercises, uh, we want to try to keep our back flat. You know, that's a universal law. You know, we want a, new, we want a neutral spine. Uh, you know, where else do you want a neutral spine? Well, you want a neutral spine when you throw a punch. You want a neutral spine when you throw a ball. You want a neutral spine. Like your spine's not really rounded over excessively when you're doing a lot of these things. And so these are things that carry over. Uh, same thing with when you're running. You're running a 400-meter uh, sprint. If you're doing it overextended, overarched, you're losing power. If you're doing it uh, in flexion and kind of ra- rounded over, you're losing power. You want a, a neutral spine. When you deadlift, you want a neutral spine. Anything in the, and it just, I mean, there's always going to be exceptions. So there's going to be different times where you're going to want to do different things. But a lot of times it's, it's for me, it's always been easiest to try to find what's something universally I can sell people on and say, Hey, like if you do this, it's going to cause, it's going to um, be the most likely thing that's going to give you the best results under these circumstances. Right. Right. And 
go, kind of going along with that same post about the unexamined life, you, you had mentioned kind of like trying versus doing or try versus do. How, how does that work in your mind? Like the difference between trying hard at something and actually doing, like how do you distinguish that difference? I have to pause for just a second because yeah. I need to open up my, uh, my door to somebody. Oh, no worries, man. Be right back. Take your time. And I'm back. And we're back. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, tr- trying is, uh, there are certain words that we should probably, you know, work on, um, uh, eliminating. And, um, I, cause I think that you either do something or you don't, you know, like, um, you, if you didn't complete a book and you only read it quarter of the way, um, did you read it or did you not read it? I mean, you, you read it, right? Um, you only read 25 pages, but it also doesn't mean that you only tried to read it. In my opinion, um, a lot of this again would come down to interpretation of how we're interpreting the word. But I think, uh, in general, uh, that a lot of times people are, um, maybe having, maybe, maybe tr- the word try is being utilized as like a crutch so that if I tell you, Hey, I'm going to try that. Wor- I'll, yeah, I'll give it a shot. I'll try that workout. Then that means I have the opportunity to kind of half-ass it, you know, rather than I'm going to do the fully prescribed RX workout that you suggested and I'm just going to do it, you know, and, and, and look, if I did it, if you gave me a really tough workout and I, and I did it and you saw that I like came up short, you're gonna be the first guy to be like, dude, that was sick. Like that was the first time you ever tried that. Like, you know, what's it going to look like two months from now? We try some of these other, you know, some of these other things. And so, uh, the word try is, is, a is a weird one. You know, it's do or do not. I've, I've seen examples of this where obviously like you got Yoda, right? <laughs> try not. Um, you know, it, I've seen examples of this. Somebody will say like in a seminar, they'll say, Hey, I'm going to have someone come up here and I want you to try to move this chair and they'll move the chair to the other side of the room. Some people will like, kind of pretend that they can't move the chair um, or they'll like kind of halfway move it and they'll just, you know, the person will keep inviting people up to the front of the room. And it, the point is that there is no try. You either moved it. It either went from one place to another or it didn't, you know? Right, right. And uh, I, I, I like that philosophy. And these words are hard. They're very difficult to, these words are difficult to extract from your mind because we're just so used to them and they're, they're cultural, they're cultural things. Oh, I'm going to try to go to church next week, or I'm going to try to go to jujitsu. Like just, just go, <laughs> you know, just, <laughs> just fucking show up. And, you know, just, I also kind of like the idea of, uh, you know, uh, because I think this puts a little, it's a little less pressure on you, but it's, it's, uh, more, um, uh, maybe coming from from the inside is to not mention things to other people and just go go and do. And then when he's, when somebody's like, um, you know, maybe somebody asks you a question, they say, "Hey, you got in a lot better shape recently," and you can say, "Yeah, you know, I've I've been running two miles every other day for the last three weeks." They'll go, "What?" <laughs> right, know? right, yeah. Rather than telling them like, "Hey, January one." You know, I'm getting some running shoes and I'm going to be outside running. Right. You know, so these are, um, these are some things I've been working on myself and, 
uh, I, uh, I, there you go. There's a word to try. I, uh, I share it with other people just cause I think it, you know, it has some value. Some other words I've learned to try to get some other words I've worked on getting rid of are like the shoulds and the woulds and the coulds. Cause if I tell you that you should lose weight, or if I tell you that you should gain weight, um, it's a course of action and I'd rather see you kind of come to it on your own. Um, where you, you know, um, maybe, maybe you and I are training together. Maybe we're powerlifting. Um, and I talk about how much easier it is to be stronger when you're bigger and you come to me three days later and you're like, yo, I want to get big. <laughs> you know, <laughs> when it comes from you, it's going to be the whole, the whole experience going to be way easier right. rather than me going, bro, like you need to get big. What are you doing? You need to put on 30 pounds. You know, if I'm telling you what you should do, uh, and what you could do, you're already aware of these are things that you could do, but when it comes from you and it's kind of your own idea, uh, that's when we know that you're probably going to, uh, adhere to it a lot better. Right. Right. Well, and for, um, you know, for getting, I'd heard this, I can't remember who said it, but I'd heard something about like, when you actually say something out loud, that can actually, in, that can get in the way of actually the doing, you know what I mean? It's like the difference between like the motivation and the discipline motivation, you get all psyched up to do something, but then you kind of exhausted all that energy just thinking about it versus just like you said, staying quiet and just executing. So I think it's a really important distinction. I think a lot of people get lost in that like motivation versus discipline dichotomy, you know? Yeah. And, um, when, you know, on the topic of motivation, I, I love, uh, you know, listening to some hype and getting excited about something and, and, um, and having a motive to go move around or do something, uh, music, you know, music can charge you up pretty good. Um, if you can get your emotions kind of heading in the right direction, uh, that can get you going pretty good. Um, but really, you know, what will get you going really well, uh, and get you on your way every single day is, you know, getting some good sleep, having good nutrition, I mean, I've, I've talked to a handful of people now that I'm friends with that sleep, you know, and I'm not recommending this, but I, I got some friends that sleep somewhere between four and six hours a night and they're just on fire every day. <laughs> and you're like, this doesn't make sense. You know, how, how can they be, you know, on fire every day or all fired up and uh, only be getting that amount of sleep? That's because they take care of themselves really well. You know, sleep is uh, very healthy and it's important to make sure that you get your sleep. Um, you know, the best way that you can get it for yourself. But, um, you know, I think when you, when you start to, when you start to examine yourself and you start to really pay attention to all these different like checklists of, uh, of being healthy and of being strong, then a lot of the rules that might apply to everybody else, they no longer really apply to you. Um, and I think, you know, from a nutrition standpoint, I think that's one of the great problems. One of the great issues with nutrition is the fact that um, so much of nutrition is based off of regular people eating regular food for really long periods of time right. um, and not even really regular food. They're, they're eating shitty food and they're doing so for a really long, uh, long time. And so it's hard to like, you know, I know like we got certain people out there will say, you know, sugar is not bad, you know, and, and I, I understand, um, I, I know what they mean that, uh, some of these things aren't intrinsic, intrinsically bad, but 
we can kind of sit here and debate everything and say, Hey, like everything's what you make of it. And yeah, that's kind of true, but not really like rape being a pedophile. (laughs) Like there's not, you know what I mean? Like there's certain things that just aren't, they're not, they're not good, you know? And, uh, I don't really care how you look at it. They're very, uh, they're very damaging. And I would put sugar in, in obviously not, uh, in the same, uh, to the same degree as some of those other things I mentioned, but it's, um, it's something that you should just understand the power of, you know, there's a lot of, there's just a lot of responsibility that goes along with eating sugar. And how does a, how does a seven year old kid or eight year old kid know how to kind of control that when they're trying to eat, you know, they're always going to want orange juice over water. They're always going to, you know, right. They're always going to want these other things. Uh, They're always going to want to play a video game rather than go outside. They're always going to want to be on their phone or tablet rather than throw around a football, you know, um, unless you, you know, kill them to death with it, with boredom and, and pull, pull that stuff away from them. Then they'll say, Hey dad, can we throw around the football? You know, you right. gotta try to present them with options. And again, you know, trying to have it come, you know, try to have it come from them. You'll probably have more success. Right. Right. I've, you know, I've, I've always been curious about the, the kind of these baselines we have for nutrition. Like, like you mentioned, is the data just completely skewed because of the population that's been, it's, it's been kind of based upon. So it's like non-athletes, shitty food. Like, it's almost like we need a whole new, like we just need a reset with people that are, you know, it's a big difference between someone doing CrossFit, powerlifting, getting after it regularly that really takes care of themselves versus, you know, maybe someone that has a tech job and sits all day, you know? So I kind of like, um, like it appears to me that like someone like Elon Musk, his approach to life in general is like, um, Hey, there's going to be like reckless, crazy, weird shit around. Let's just embrace it. And let's just like figure out ways to get around it or get past it. You know, with the, uh, Neuralink thing, the chip that he wants to put in people's brains and stuff like that. I think people are really, uh, scared of, of technology like that. And rightfully so I'm sure that we will lose some people in that process. I mean, that's just, uh, that's medicine. You know, that's just the way technology works. Um, but what I would also say is that he understands that, um, he understands that like the machines are coming, you know, and if you can have a human being that is able to process information as fast as a computer or even faster in some cases, and it has a consciousness, then maybe we can, you know, maybe we can be ahead of the robots basically. And when I think about, you know, some of these other, other things that are going on, uh, in the world. And I think about, you know, nutrition or some of these things, it's like, it's very easy to tell people, Hey, look, man, you know, if you just, if you just ate the foods that a lot of our ancestors ate, or even, I mean, you don't have to go back thousands of years, but just go back like 200 years you would be fine. You would be able to eat as much as your heart can, you know, uh, until your heart's content because it's very difficult to overeat on those foods. However, that's just not great information because we don't live in those times anymore. Right. You know, we have to deal with the food that's here. We got to deal with the convenience that's here. And that's the fight. The fight is against the Doritos and against the potato chips and against, and, uh, they can fit into your life. You know, there can be opportunities to eat those things, um, here and there, but for a lot of people that, um, 
struggle to, you know, keep the overall amount of food that they eat under control, they might be able to eat stuff like that like once a month. Um, if you're able to have better control over the amount of food that you eat overall, um, maybe you can have it a couple times a week, you know, but for the most part, those things, they are very difficult to control because they're, they're, they're just designed to kind of override everything. And, uh, you know, kind of overrides the hunger signals in our, in our brain and the, the things that tell us to stop or slow down or that you're good. Um, you're going to just going to keep eating those Doritos. It's going to be very difficult uh, to eat one just uh, on this same topic here is that something to um, something to really drive home here is that um, it's my understanding and I, I could be a little bit off on this, but it's my understanding that um, like all living things are trying to eat protein. Um, Makes sense. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is trying to eat protein. Even a cow is trying to, convert the grass into, into a, into a protein basically. And so when you think about, um, humans, well, if we're to eat, you know, uh, a sandwich and potato chips and wash it down with a Coke, we consumed a good amount of calories. You know, we might've consumed 700 calories, but from a, uh, nutrient standpoint, from a nutritious standpoint, the energy uh, really outweighed uh, the, the nutrient density of what we're looking for. So you want to have a really high protein to energy ratio. You don't want to be consuming energy. You want to be consuming protein. And I, I think that protein, in my opinion, you probably have seen some of these posts. It's not really a great energy source. It's a shitty energy source, but <laughs> it does fill you up and it is what you're in search of. It does keep you satiated. So anybody that listening to anyone listening to this that struggled with their weight, simply eat more protein. If you just take your current diet, maybe you're not even really on a diet, but if you can just uh, start to have a higher percentage of your, of your uh, calories come from protein, if you can try to shift that closer to 30, 40, maybe even 50%, um, you won't really need to be on a diet. Right. I, I've always like, you know, occasionally we'll get questions about nutrition and diet, things like that. And I've always been hesitant to use that word because I, I like the idea more of like an eating philosophy or an eating style. You know what I mean? So and I, I wanted to ask you about this because you're kind of like, you're kind of like OG carnivore, you know, you were doing it before it was even cool. And, uh, I think a lot of power lifters were as well, but you know, I, I've noticed maybe the last year or two, you've kind of shifted from like this very strict pure carnivore to more of a, a mixed eating style. So I just curious how that kind of evolved. And by the way, folks listening, check out Mark cause he's as ripped and jacked as ever. So whatever he's doing is working. So you should listen to him. You know, I think that, um, just like I was mentioning earlier with the personal development, I think that, you know, um, your diet should evolve. Your training should evolve. Um, you know, uh, as much as I love to do like push-ups, like I don't, I don't only do push-ups. but when I was a kid, that's like the only resistance exercise I knew of, you know? And so you're going to evolve and your interests are always going to change. And, um, I, I don't like the idea. I like food enough to the point where, um, it'd be very difficult for me to be, for me to just tell you, Hey man, this is like, this is what I'm gonna do the rest of my life. This, this way of eating, um, 
there are, as I mentioned earlier, like there's some universal laws, there's some truths to my nutrition that have always been since I started uh, kind of finding out more about it when I was like 13, 14 years old um, that I've kept. And one of them is just eating a lot of protein. And so I think for me, it's been, um, you know, just uh, when I think it's a good idea to keep your options open and why not examine things? Why not, why not say, I'm going to go do that. And I want to see what that's like for me. So I can kind of report back to people. And I just, I'm curious too. I want to just see, um, I've done keto style diets for a long time, always enjoyed them, but the way that they worked for me when I was young changed quite a bit as I got older and it just didn't seem to have the same impact. And I think, you know, I think many times too, I think I ate too much fat and something to keep in mind is that when you overeat fat, um, and you overeat overall calories, even when you're not eating carbohydrates, that the easiest thing for your body can, to convert to body fat is dietary fat. So I'm not saying that people need to be scared of fat, but just uh, that's something you should be conscious of while doing a keto or low carb diet. And so when I did a carnivore diet, I noticed that I started to get leaner a lot faster. And then I was like, well, I wonder what, you know, what's going on here. And it really depended on the type of meat that I was eating, you know, for a while I was doing ribeyes and making sure I was getting a lot of calories in and stuff like that. And then I switched to like New York strips and things that were a little leaner and I started to get quite a bit leaner. And I, I mean, it's obvious, right? I mean, okay, well, it's less calories. And then I was trying to ha find it, figure out, you know, how I could feel the best while eating this way. And what sort of happened was is I started to etch the protein up higher and higher and it just got to the point where the protein started to get a little ridiculous which it's kind of still there right now I've, I've i have it really high right now but it's sort of experimental but it's in the 350 to 400 range oh, wow yeah and to try <laughs> to keep your protein up that high especially while eating lean sources of protein is uh is is, is like a, it's like a full-time job you know right. it's, it's a pain in the ass um but uh so what I did from there, I was like, well, you know, I'm not eating much fat and I need to kind of balance this thing out a little bit. And so let me bring some carbohydrates back into the picture. And then because my body got leaner, it made more sense for me to eat carbs. You know, I, Charles Poliquin, uh, years ago, he said, you know, if you're not under like 10% body fat, you really shouldn't be eating carbohydrates. And I don't agree with that, uh, fully, but you know, I would say maybe, if you're not under 15% that you just shouldn't be eating large amounts of carbohydrates. Uh, I don't know if you need to not eat any of them at all, but uh, anyway, yeah. So that's kind of what I landed on now. And on a big day for me, you know, I might have uh, maybe 200 grams of carbs or something like that. So I still don't eat a lot of them. Sure. Um, and it comes from uh, oatmeal, rice, potatoes, fruit, um, and there's just some trace carbohydrates kind of in some things here and there. But I don't counter track anything. Um, as you were saying earlier, like uh, it's not a it's not a diet, really. It's a it's it's a lifestyle. And that's what I've adopted. And I like I don't even really like. Yes, I do call it a cheat just because it's easier for everybody else to understand. But I just don't even look at it that way. It's just a detour. You know, I'm just. 
because people are talking about, well, how do I get back on track? And I'm just like, well, I think if you just didn't look at it that way, you, would, right. you wouldn't be off track. <laughs> you know? Right. Right. Uh, you know, why, why make it so, why have it be such harsh terms? You know, why not just say, um, well, the, this box of donuts is part of the plan, you know, or the, this, uh, Ben and Jerry's is, is kind of, it's just part of the overall mission and it's just, okay, well, um, for me to lose, you know, 50 pounds at this rate where I'm having a cheat meal every week or whatever it is, maybe, maybe it takes me, uh, a year and a half rather than taking a year, but like, what's the rush? Who cares? You know, you're still getting healthier the whole time. And then on top of that, you're getting, you're getting healthier, getting better shape. Uh, but then you're still also enjoying food and maybe being social, maybe having a drink here or there. Um, all those kinds of things start to factor in and, and now you're not only the guy that's in shape, but you're also the guy that's not a dickhead, you know, whipping out his Tupperware every, every five seconds. Right. 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 I, uh, I remember listening to your nutrition, like, you know, I, uh, I was going to mention, I'm really into, um, I try and eat as much wild game as possible. So, um, I just got back from an elk hunt, which was successful. So yeah, fresh meat in the freezer. And, um, I actually, I want to mention, I found this company, they're called wild idea Buffalo. They're based out in South Dakota. I don't know if you've heard of them, but they're essentially wild animals. Um, they're free range, free range Buffalo. They do a field harvest. So they, they never take them to a slaughterhouse. They essentially just drive out in a field and have a sharpshooter, you know, take them out. So it's a very quick, uh, non-stressful process. And, um, that's cool. Yeah. I've been ordering their meat and you know, it's a little more expensive, but there's just something about like, you know, knowing the quality behind it and just that it, it is this wild animal. So, um, I've been into that a lot, but yeah, to answer your question more specifically, yeah, it's kind of a, I would say like a paleo ish type of diet, you know, I'll eat, um, I'll eat dairy. I'll eat the occasional, you know, big plate of pasta. You know, we have two daughters, so they love to make the homemade pasta and, um, it's never, you know, and I think I also frankly got lucky with genetics. You know, I've just, I've always been lean kind of no matter what I'm about, I'm a, I'm a little guy. I'm about like a buck 50 right now in college. I was, uh, up to like 175, and that was like lifting hard, really trying to, to put on mass and weight. But, um, you know, I just, I didn't feel good. It was such a, such a job, which I'm sure, you know, you know, you know much more than I do about that. But, uh, yeah, I feel good. This is like a good fighting weight for me. So, um, and I actually, I was excited to ask you about, you know, kids and education. Cause I've, I've heard you comment on it before and I thought you had a cool kind of alternative outlook. And I just also read an article that uh, Mark Sisson had posted on his blog, but you know, I wanted to ask like with, with all that's going on with COVID and kind of education is all in flux with all these different situations. Like what would you, what would be kind of like your ideal educational system? I know you have kids and I, like I said, I have two young daughters. It's like, I feel like it's a great time to kind of rethink this system that just might not work for everyone. Yeah. I'm under the belief that you need a, uh, you know, a culture of, uh, criticism where, you know, uh, like things are, things are in question, you know, quite often. Um, and, uh, you need to, I think, I think a lot of times we need to let let kids really be kids, and there are schools that uh, execute this uh, well. Um, 
in other countries and stuff like that as well. Um, but just trying to like school is really weird to me, especially here in the United States, just because like everything, well, most things seem like they're a choice, you know? Um, I mean, it just kind of appears like you could wake up at four in the morning and walk outside and go for a walk if you wanted to, or run, or you could head to a gym, you know, um, you can kind of do whatever you want. And, um, when it comes to our children though, like I, I can't really think of other things that you're forced to do in the United States other than go to school. Um, I mean, it, it's against the law to not go to school. Right. And I, th- I think there's a, a, maybe a misconception about that. I think, well, yeah, everyone would be stupid if they didn't go to school. <laughs> well, yeah, a lot of people might be stupid if they didn't go to school, but there's a lot of stupid people anyway. Sure, sure. <laughs> because there's a lot of people that aren't trying to uh, advance their situation. You know, they they have a particular situation going on. All human beings are capable of being a little bit better than they were yesterday, and sometimes uh, people squander that away, and that'll always happen. But I think the concern too is that there, you know, there, there might be some parents that, um, teach their kids to hunt. There might be some, te- some, uh, parents that teach their kids to garden and to have, you know, some stuff in the backyard and, and how these different things grow. And then there's other parents that maybe just won't have time for it, uh, because they're at work. And so I think the education system here in America is based off of like, a giant daycare system, you know, right. where yeah. you send you send your kids off, you know, you, you work nine to five, your kids kind of work nine to five ish. They have slightly different hours, but it's about the same thing. And they just don't, they don't get paid for it, you know? And so I think, you know, rather than like school and rather than like learning about like Abraham Lincoln and some of this stuff, I think you're going to learn about all that shit anyway. That stuff's going to come across your plate sometime or another, regardless of whether it's, uh, like shown to you in school physically uh, the people that we had from our past that we want to share with people. I think those are things to have to come up uh, fairly easy, but I think, you know, teaching people, um, you know, teaching people just how to use their hands, teaching people how to think critically. Um, you know, I remember when I was a kid and, and, you know, I, I when I started to kind of, find out that I had some learning disabilities, they would ask, you know, what color is the sky? And I'd be like, well, it just depends. You know, it's like white, it's gray, it's blue, you know? And I think they wanted me to say it was blue and then they say the same thing with the grass, you know? And I'm like, well, it's, sometimes it's burnt, you know, sometimes it's <laughs> right. like brown, you know, so it just kind of depends. Um, and so I think, you know, having a culture that has a lot of critical thinking and uh, really allows kids to, you know, uh, encouraging kids to really open up their mind and, uh, that may be more wild and crazy. The idea, maybe the, maybe the better in, in some respects, but, um, you know, just having all these different, all these different classes and going to school for as long as we do. I just think, I think a lot of people would agree that it's just pure garbage. Like we're just, you're there for so long, so many hours every single day. And it's for such a large portion of the year. And then you go there for over a decade. Like to me, that's completely absurd. And what we're seeing right now is 
with distance learning, which is is not maybe the most ideal thing, but with distance learning, we're seeing the kids are going to school for like two hours. Right. And it's like, what the fuck is this? Like, why? Right. right. Why haven't we been like, I'm of the opinion that there shouldn't be any food at school. Like maybe in case of emergency, there's some snacks or something, right? Sure. Kid gets low blood sugar or something, you know, Um, but they're just, and I know why it's there. It's because of the the system that we have. And there's a lot of kids that get a free meal there. And, and I'm empathetic towards that. And I understand a lot of that, but I don't think they should be there for so long that they need food. You know, they should just be there for like two, three hours or something that they should go home. If you think about like, imagine, imagine you and I, right? Imagine if you and I had to go, go to a location Well, we're forced to go to a location. <laughs> you're forced to go to a location for five or six hours and you're just there to like learn. And obviously you get to, you know, you got recess and stuff like that. You got a little bit of, a little bit of downtime and you could see how ineffective it is right away. You know, but if we were going to go somewhere and even if we were forced to go there every day and it was like an hour or two, we'd be like, eh, you know, I kind of hate this, but this ain't that bad because I get to see my friends afterwards or whatever. And and I also think that it's a, a much better uh, learning environment. I, I don't know how many like workshops or seminars you've been to, but if you ever got, gone to any of these real big ones where there's like 10 speakers or something like that. Whew, like you get your ass kicked. Like if you're in there for more than like an hour or two at a time, uh, you, most of the time you go out for like a coffee or something where you go into some of these like break room areas and you see like hundreds of other people because everybody knows that they need to like, you know, process the information that just came through. They can't possibly sit there for the entire three day <laughs> weekend seminar. Like the, you'll just, you can't learn that much. Your body just doesn't work that way. And so um, I think, you know, quicker, you know, quicker ways to learn school should be a lot shorter. Uh, you shouldn't have to go there for <laughs> over a decade, uh, four or five years or six years of school sounds perfect to me. So I also think it's, it's our responsibility as parents. And this is my kind of final point on it is that, you know, don't push it off onto the schools. You know, people are always like, Oh, how to, you know, how to handle a credit card that should be uh, taught in school and, and uh, nutrition should be taught in school. And, they should teach this in school. And they, well, you know, being a teacher is really difficult. So I want to also point out, I'm not uh, ripping apart teachers or anything. It's just the overall system I think is kind of uh, wacky and needs to be uh, reevaluated. But, you know, I, I just think that um, I just think there's, there's more optimal ways to do it. And I, I wish that we would uh, look into that, but as parents, you know, take it upon yourself when you have that idea and you say, Oh, that should be taught in school. Why not just teach it to your kid? Like you're right there. They're right there. You know, just, yeah, I've taught my kids how to lift. Um, neither one of them really care for it, but I said, Hey, I don't know how to do anything else. So this is what I'm going to show you how to do. Right. You know, and we, we also talk about um, like stoicism and things like that. And I remember, you know, having a conversation with my daughter about it, about how, um, you know, whenever they're in the car with me, they, they, they feel trapped because they know that I'm going to like have some deep, weird conversation with them. <laughs> but I've talked to her before about like how you're in control of your own emotions. Uh, no, no, no uh, person or no thing can make you do anything or feel anything necessarily. I mean, unless they came out, came up to you and like poked your eyeball out. 
<laughs> that would hurt your eye, right? But like uh, from a uh, mental standpoint, you know, someone can't or they they can say something to you, but it's up to you on how you process it. And so, um, you know, th- these are all things that when I when I think about, oh, they should teach that in school. I'm like, I should just teach that to them right now. <laughs> you know, that totally, kind of thing. Totally. Well, you know, one thing I've thought about being an entrepreneur and you being an entrepreneur, like to me, this growing up, it was never even presented as an option to kind of start your own business. You know, it was like, get a job, do good, do good in school. So you get a good job. That was kind of like the general idea, but it was never really even presented that you could, Oh yeah, you have a cool idea. Go, go start your own thing. You know? Yeah. You have to go to school, right? You have, you have to go to school. It's like the law. You can be homeschooled, I guess. right? Right. And then the only way to not be a loser is to go to college too, right? right? Yeah. Like that's what you kind of, that was kind of the perception. And um, my wife and I talk about that a lot because my wife didn't know how to express to my son about, you know, why he needs good grades. And I was like, well, he only needs good grades if he feels that's valuable to him, then he'll get good grades. But I'm not going to sit here and yell and scream at him because I was like, he's just really smart and he knows that they don't matter. He knows that they're irrelevant. Um, he knows that, you know, no one's checking into like Tom Cruise's, uh, you know, math papers from when he was in ninth grade or whatever. Like it just, you just know that it's irrelevant or, um, whoever's like running for president or whoever's, uh, the rock or whoever's super successful people. Like no one's like, Oh, they're not allowed to make that money. Cause look at this. They got a D. <laughs> right. Know? Right. And, uh, you know, that just doesn't really, uh, match up well. However, I would also say that these are things, what I've explained to my son is like, Hey, look, you know, this is, this is a reflection of who you are. This is a reflection of your character in a way. So if you're the kid that gets the D and the F and you're the kid that just doesn't pay attention and you're disruptive and the teacher's like, Oh fuck, you know, here comes this kid again. You know, I said, I said, if I was you, I would just do whatever it takes to not be that kid, you know, just, just rise above that level, which shouldn't, which shouldn't, uh, which shouldn't uh, cost you too much. Um, but you know, I think, you know, it's, uh, we're in, we're in a really distracted world right now, you know, with all the different social media outlets and stuff like that. And I just think, uh, it's very difficult for kids to, even hone in and focus on school, but because there's social media, um, it's just more and more clear that to have a well-paying job and to gain some financial freedom that you don't necessarily need school for that. And maybe some people do, you know, maybe some people still need school because they need time to grow. They need maturity. Um, cause that's a weird time, you know, being 19 and being between 19 and like 25 is just a, wasteland of like not knowing what the hell to do with yourself. Totally. And so, you know, it could, it could help you with, uh, some growth that you might need for a while. And, you know, I, I'm not going to bag school completely and say that it's, it's useless, but, um, I think the perception is that if you don't go to school, you can't be smart enough to figure out how to execute properly on whatever it is that you want to do. And I think that I think that we always learn the same way as we do when we're kids. How do you learn how to throw a football? Do you learn it from a book? Do you learn it from a teacher? You know, 
you might learn it from a coach because a coach might say, hey, you know, you bring the ball up higher and you're going to throw it this way type thing. But you really learn it by doing it. Right. And you learn it by doing it. You learn it by repetition. Um, how do you know that the puddle gets you wet? Well, you fucking jumped in it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then you don't even know what that sensation is, you know, or or maybe you jumped in it and got your brother really wet with it, you know. And, like, you don't know what any of that's about until you, like, you know, until you go through it. And then you, you learn a lot. I mean, you learn that you displace the water. Like when you jumped in it, I mean, you might not know all the math or science behind it, but you did clearly see that when you jammed your feet into that puddle, that it just went everywhere. Right. Yeah. I, you know, I think that, I think that these, these are the, uh, these are ways that we always learn. And so with what you're teaching and, and communicating to people about, you know, fitness, I mean, the best way is to like, your best weapon is this right here, the podcast, a YouTube video. Hey, this is how you do the exercise. And then what do they do? They see that video and they go and do it. They go and say, okay, I'm going to try this, you know, for this particular exercise. And I, you know, I, I just, I just think that we always learn that way. And again, you know, back to Elon Musk, he has that kind of, uh, I think he just, he's that way all the time. Like he's like a giant little kid. Right. <laughs> you Absolutely. know, so I think trying just to, and, and also maybe like, you know, the white belt mentality type of thing, I think is really important too. just knowing that you don't really know shit. I think is important. Like if I was going to go on an elk hunt with you, I know, I know zero about hunting. So I would just be paying attention to what you're doing and, and how you're, you know, holding your gun and, I would just be listening, you know, if you gave me instruction, I would just be like, okay, like, I, you know, I'm new to this. But even if I did it five times or eight times and you still did it, you know, a couple more times than me and I felt that you had better uh, control over the situation than I did, then I would still have kind of a white belt mentality and just be like, well, there's, I can learn from this person. And even when it comes to working out, if you showed me something on a deadlift, if you're like, hey, man, I, you know, I tried this on a deadlift and it felt really good. I'm not going to be like, oh, well, you know, you didn't deadlift 900 pounds, so I'm not going <laughs> to fucking listen to you. Right, right. <laughs> hey, I appreciate that. I don't know if I'm the guy you want, uh, guy you through the woods. You might want to call Cam Haynes, but uh, <laughs> right. I appreciate it. What, it what, what, one thing that was going on in the background of my mind, just talking about the education, was you'd mentioned this very early on just chatting today, was you said problem solving equals happiness. And as far as an, from an educational standpoint, if we, if we focused on just teaching problem solving skills, that's probably going to lead to really good outcomes for a lot of people. So that's, it's just cool to put those dots together there. Yeah. And usually like if somebody asks me, you know, what I do, you know, for a living, I usually go to the problems that I solve. You know, I, that's what I usually try to say. I like, you know, I'll say, I try to reduce pain for people that work out. You know, because that's that's ultimate. I mean, I invented a product and things of that nature, but um, that gets you right to the root of what it is. And I think sometimes when you ask somebody what they do, they tell you, and you're like, I still don't know what the fuck that guy does. That's right? Totally, <laughs> totally. You're like, I don't really understand what that guy does because it's like, I don't know, they're like a scientist or a particular doctor or something, or they sell insurance, but. I think if they told you kind of what problem they solved, um, 
then then you would have a it would be a better explanation. You'd have probably a better understanding of uh, what the hell it is that they're talking about. Sure, absolutely. I uh, I've got a nice list here for you. I could probably keep going for at least another hour, but I want to be respectful of your time. I think I have one for sure. If not two more, I'd love to get in, and then uh, I uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, so how how I even got to shooting a note to Stephen was I was listening to your podcast. It was a Saturday school. And I think it was about, it was basically talking about kind of how to make more money essentially. And so I thought, you know, you've, you've had a journey, your business has been very successful. So I wanted to ask what have been the benefits and the downsides of being rich? Um, so the benefits are, they feel amazing, you know, um, like where I'm at right now is I'm in Bodega Bay, California, and I'm at our, our beach house. And we also have a, another vacation home in Tahoe. Um, and, you know, it's just – and I was able to purchase my parents' home and my, a car for my brother. And um, my in-laws live in our old house. Um, like it's just it, – it's, uh, it's amazing to be able to provide, you know, to be able to assist, to be able to help. And, you know – you think about the different times in your life where you could have really used a couple hundred bucks or I don't know, maybe you wanted to start something or do something and you really could have utilized like 2000 bucks or 5,000 bucks. Well, when it's just not a lot of money to somebody else, it's like we've, we've helped out pretty much every family member, um, that we, that we can, um, anytime they were asked for anything. And I think, and even in, in, actually in many situations, we kind of insisted that we helped um, because they were, you know, prideful and they didn't want to, they didn't want to kind of open up that door. But we're like, no, like that's, we're not trying to brag, but that's just not, that's just not a lot for us. You know, it doesn't have the negative impact. It doesn't really, uh, it doesn't hurt us. Like we still, we're still good. We're still able to order slingshots and sure, stuff, sure. you know, we're. Uh, we're going to be fine. And the way that I've looked at a lot of this stuff is that it's been a team effort. You know, um, anyone that's close to us, friends or family, has participated. You know, people watch my kids uh, so my wife and I can go out and uh, still have a good, strong, healthy relationship. Um, you know, and, and we all have a lot of fun together. And I, <clears throat> I would imagine, I don't really know, but I would imagine that if things were different, you know, if they had a lot of money that they would probably be doing the same thing. And they're, you know, I mentioned that to them before and they're like, I wouldn't fucking do what you're doing. But, uh, you know, they, they, uh, I think they would, I think ultimately they would. Cause you know, what's the point in having money if you're not going to be able to share these experiences with people. And so having, you know, some of these vacation homes, it's really great for my family, uh, my immediate family and some of my extended family and friends, it just creates a lot of great memories here. Like we're here every Thanksgiving, um, Christmas this year, we'll be in Tahoe and we'll get to see some snow and, you know, it's just, um, and I know that the friends that have stayed here, I know that their kids are going to remember that forever and they might not remember me or whatever. They're going to just be like, we stayed at some guy's house. I don't know. Like it was, it was sick. And so, um, from that standpoint, everything's been, uh, 
really cool. And then just, uh, you know, on a smaller scale, um, just not having to be concerned, you know, about your transmission in your car, a, because you have a nice car and B because it just doesn't make a dent, you know, it doesn't, whereas like, you know, when I was starting out and I didn't have money driving a, you know, bunch of shitty unreliable cars that could bust at any second. And, uh, when they did, you know, you'd get the price, you know, back on how, you know, how much it cost to fix it. And you're just like, man, like it just, you know, it annihilated you 700 bucks, 800 bucks, you know, sometimes a transmission goes and you're like, man, the whole car is such a piece of shit. I don't even know if I want to bother to get the transmission fixed well, for sure. So from that standpoint, um, it's been amazing from a convenience standpoint. It's really, it, it's really makes, uh, everything a little easier, especially from a nutrition side of things. Cause it just, you know, you can buy whatever it meets you want. And, um, I can get, uh, uh, kind of prepared meals from, from, uh, icon meals. And even though my buddy usually sends them for free, um, it just doesn't, it doesn't hurt at all to be able to order that stuff and just to have more convenience. And that helps me to make better choices because, um, you know, I might see like a really, you know, a good snack or something, you know, amazing comes into the house and, uh, rather than eating a pizza, I can say, Oh, it just takes me three and a half minutes to microwave, my icon meal, which is, you know, some chicken breast and some rice or something. Um, so from all that stuff, it's been really good. From a negative standpoint, I would just say, um, you know, I haven't, <clears throat> I haven't really seen anything, um, all that negative, I guess, you know, it does impact your children a lot. And so, um, in a way being, wealthy is, uh, just as embarrassing as being poor. And so my, you know, my kids, you know, if they had a friend drop them off or a family, you know, uh, or a, a friend's uh, parents drop them off at our house or that kind of thing, they're like, Holy shit, you know, like, <laughs> like you're rich, you know, and then it, it just, you know, embarrasses them. Um, you know, or pulling up in our Tesla and having the side doors, you know, open up and, and we just, we have, you know, a bunch of different cars. And so the other kids are like, Hey, like which car are they going to pick you up in a day? Like trying to, you know, kind of make fun of our kids and stuff. And so there's a little bit of that, but, um, you know, and I, and I've, I've talked to my kids about this kind of stuff and just said, Hey, you know, um, you know, we're just, we're successful. Like things are just going well. And it's, I said, I basically what I said to them is like, this is just what society puts on this. This right. is, this is, uh, what society views as successful. Whether you determine whether you think it's a marker of success or not is kind of more up to you. I said to me, it doesn't make a difference. I said, you're healthy. I love you. I'm healthy. You love me. Like that shit's the most important thing. Uh, we got food, we got a roof over our head. Those are all the kind of essentials. And whatever else comes from it, if we're able to afford a pool or a hot tub or anything like that, then that's just all like, you know, icing on the cake. But I, you know, I try to share with them, like, don't let, just because it's not maybe the cultural norm, um, don't let that bother you. You know, don't let that be, be a thing and don't try not to worry too much about what your friends are saying. But um, I guess the other 
thing that's maybe not so much of a negative, but I remember before <clears throat> before I was able to figure out how to turn anything into anything, I you know people would say, "Oh, you're a dreamer." Like that's not going to happen, you know. And then now that I'm wealthy, they say the same thing. <laughs> they say they don't they don't say I'm a dreamer anymore, but they say, "Well, easy for you to say because you're rich." <laughs> sure, sure, yeah, yeah. And so and so it's like okay, like, I guess, you know, I guess I'll never be able to, you know, truly get one over on you, but you know, that's just, that's just kind of people's, uh, people's perception. I also think, so a while back, somebody made a comment, um, and I screen captured it and did a repost about it and just talked about, um, how many, the cascade of people that you start to assist and help, when you start to make a lot of money and it wasn't really in reference to myself necessarily. It was more like just in reference to people that make a lot of money period. Um, and I was talking about, cause I, I don't know. The guy said something about just, Oh, being rich and being selfish and, and these kinds of things. And I said, you know, I, I think maybe there's some misconceptions out there. Like, um, you know, quarterly I pay uh, in taxes um, more money than probably, you know, what only four or 5% of the population makes in a year, you know, like, right, so, right. so that's that, you know, I, I don't, I don't control where that goes. I don't control, you know, but like that might be helping, you know, the negative comment you just made, that might be helping your kid in his school, you know, or, or their school or whatever. Um, it could be helping like, look, the roads are, the roads are always paved and when they're not, we complain, right? When they when they have to like redo the road and they just sure even get rid of a little bit of the pavement, it's like this is too bumpy. Right, right, right. <laughs> <sighs> like this is gonna scrape up my car, you know. And so it's like, well, somebody's you know somebody's fitting the bill for that, and just the way that our you know the way things here in the United States work, you know, it's it's uh it's it's on a scale, you know, depending on how much how much money you make, and then on top of that, I employ. Uh, 20, you know, 20 in-house people, probably an additional 20 people, you know, out, out of slingshot. I have a free gym that is like, you know, impact, you know, I'm not trying to justify myself to this one person, but I just am trying to make them aware of normally when there's like a joke, like look at Joe Rogan. Oh yeah. Like Joe Rogan doesn't need to do his podcast anymore, but I mean, I know his podcast is, you know, somewhat of a, a quest for himself to learn more and to talk to interesting people. Right. But I mean, he's already like, he's already, he's done it. He's already, he's already made it. You know, he could, he could go home, you know, but um, he loves it. I think he loves that it, that it helps people. And he, I don't think Joe Rogan is depressed or has anxiety, but he asks questions about it all the time because he probably knows his audience has these things or alcoholism or drug addiction. And he has had friends and stuff that have suffered from these things. So I think, you know, it's easy to sometimes look at somebody that is doing really well and it's, it's easy to be jealous of them and to probably make up something in your head about kind of how they live their life. But I think a a lot of times, you know, I, I think, you know, and this is something I heard from Jim Rohn as well. He said, poor people should take rich people out to lunch, right. you know, and buy, buy them a meal, you know, because, and the reason is, you know, why not learn? Why not absorb? Why not 
You know, when I ask questions, hey, how, how did you how did you get some of this started? Or your neighbor that you maybe, you know, think is annoying. Well, how did he get that boat? You know, sure. how did he, you know, how did he get the pool in the backyard? Or why not stop and ask him someday? Hey, man, what do you do? Like, it seems like you're killing it, man. And I, I would love to be doing, I would love to be doing that, you know, in a similar way or something like that. Hell yeah. Yeah. Well, I just, I, I've always really appreciated just, you know, listening to you, I've really appreciated your kind of matter of fact and very humble approach to, you know, you've always been very successful both in lifting and business, but it's, um, you know, you're not shy about that. Yeah, I'm successful. I'm enjoying the fruits of my labor, but it, it doesn't, it's also not gotten to your head, at least as far as I can tell. So no, I really appreciate chatting with you and hearing your attitude about all that. And, um, just the last question I'd love to finish on is more of a, your specialty training. You know, a lot of our listeners there, they want to get better. They want to improve their health, their fitness, and a lot might not have a ton of experience with actual barbells and powerlifting. So it's just, if there's a guy out there or gal that wants to get started, what would be your kind of like, this is what you should do besides go to uh, super training out in Sacramento. Somebody who's just getting started. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, you know, that, uh, you know, the, the key to getting started is, is to start, you know? So, um, what do you enjoy? You know, what are you interested in? I think the single, the, uh, normally the single greatest marker of success and maybe not always, but, um, especially long-term success is your interest level. You know, uh, you just have to like stuff. You gotta like, you gotta like what you're doing. So find a way to, um, I don't know if you ever heard anybody kind of say this, but like you guys have probably heard the phrase of, uh, like falling backwards into something like, I think that's a great way to, I think it's a great way to do something is to fall backwards into it. it. And the reason why I say that is maybe you don't like lifting, but maybe you enjoy riding your bike and maybe you can ride your bike for a while and maybe bring up your fitness and maybe you lose 30 pounds, 40 pounds. You knock off some of those LBs uh, that you gained from, you know, the time you were in high school till now or whatever. Um, well, now you're more fit and you're in better shape and you'll probably want to move more. Uh, when you're heavier, you're discouraged to move because A, it hurts sometimes. B, you'll get sweaty. Uh, you know, C, you just, you just don't want to. Like the fat on our body doesn't call out for you to move around, whereas the muscle does. The muscles want you to move around. Otherwise, they'll atrophy. They'll disappear. And so the muscles, uh, you know, in a sense, they – they, they crave nutrition. They crave nutrients. They're alive. You know, your fat cells, not that they're not alive, but they're, they're just extra weight, literally. And you can kind of view them as a, like a weighted vest. They just kind of hold you down. They, that's what they do. They pull, pull you down towards the earth. You're, you're literally uh, a little heavier, right? And so I think to escape that is, you know, a good way is just to get started on something. Like, what do you like to do? Or what did you used to like to do? If you used to like to do a particular thing, but don't have the motivation to even do that, um, call up a friend, you know, call up, uh, you know, um, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's your dad, maybe you haven't had a lot of time to spend with them. And maybe you can say, Hey, you know, I want to be healthier. I know that you want, I know that that won't hurt you. 
to go for some walks. Like, let's, you know, let's figure this out. Let's, you know, start out with something easy. Start out with something that you can do. Start out with something you can follow. Uh, you want the things, the things that you're trying to implement, you want them to be repeatable. So I don't think it'd be good dialogue to say, I'm going to walk every day, you know, um, out of nowhere, you know, um, rather just say, you know, I'm going to walk today and hopefully I get a couple walks in this week. That would be great. You know, and if you end up walking every day, then that's, then that's, you know, some icing on the cake there, but yeah, just start slow. And, uh, the, the key to starting is to start, um, the key to being successful is to, is to find something that you're interested in, you know, make sure that it's not, you know, make sure that these, make sure what you're doing is just not for everybody else. Make sure that it's, you know, coming from the inside, make sure it's in, kind of an internal thing. When it comes to lifting weights, something that's been really beneficial for me is this, uh, this idea of just doing one thing. Um, yesterday, Yesterday, I just got, I got smoked. I mean, I don't, it, it's really rare for that to happen to me, but maybe like once every, once every three months, I mean, I'll just like, I'll just be shot. Like right, I just, right. just blew everything out, you know? And, uh, I mean, I have been training hard. I've been, I've been running. I've been, I've been lifting like a maniac. And two days ago I did legs and I went pretty heavy. And so I was just, and I, I hate that. Like that makes me kind of angry because I'm like, I can't be smoked like this. This ain't happening to me. Like I'm not going out like that. Oh yeah. And so I kind of, I, I did, I got in a good walk that morning. Luckily my wife wanted to walk. Otherwise I would probably just stayed in bed. I got like four or five miles of walking in and then uh, kind of laid around the house for a while, watched TV, ate some food. And I was like, I just kept telling myself, don't go to the gym. Don't go to the gym. Don't go to the gym. Like, just take the day off. Just take the day off. Just take the day off. As it got later in the day, I started to feel a little bit better. Probably because like, the food I got in, I took a nap. And, uh, you know, now it's like 4.30 or something. I'm like, that's it. I'm getting up. And I'm going to the gym. And I uh, just said, all I'm going to, I'm just going to do some chest, you know, so I just one body part. So I went into this uh, local gym around here. And uh, did a bunch of sets of bench pressing and finished up with some incline dumbbells and had a great workout, had an amazing time. So just try to convince yourself to do, you know, one thing. It could even be just one exercise. Like there's no, there's no law that says that if you only do one exercise that you're not going to get any results. There's li literally, there's no, there, people don't have any information uh, against you when it comes to that. When it comes to resistance training, all we need is some resistance and yeah, you do need a certain amount of work and you need a certain amount of volume to, um, to, to get results period. But look, you know what? You're not trying to always get, I mean, we would love to always try to get the most optimal results, but not every day is always going to be that way. So even if you just got some results for that day, Hey, what if you went to the gym and all he did was burn some sugar for the day? That ain't so bad. You know, like that's, that's great. You got your heart rate up moved around, caused a little bit of sweat. The likelihood though, that you would only go and do one thing is, um, it's probably next to 0%, you know, like you, the odds of you only going in and just doing, uh, like one movement would be really, really low. I doubt you would go in the gym and take the time to get there and just do like one set of lateral raises. 
you know, I, I would, I would be, I would bet that you would probably do multiple sets of that, maybe a couple shoulder presses and you might finish with, with something else, but just, I think that I personally think that bodybuilding is amazing. And I think that the idea of three sets of 10 or four sets of 10 to 12 reps and stuff like that is just, it's, it's way too, um, it's way, it's way too easy not to do it because you don't even really need a warm up for it. Like if you're going to go in and bench and you're going to do three sets of three or something like that, well, you kind of better take your time because you're going to blow something out if you're trying to go real heavy. But the amount of warm up that it requ- that's required to do sets of 10, especially with short rest is, is really, uh, I would say it's always good to do like one set just right. so you move around and make sure like, nothing's torn from a previous workout or something like that, but uh, you should be good to go. Like you do, like you don't need a lot of warm up for like a lap pull down or for like a seated row or just again, you know, make sure your back's okay and make sure your body's okay, but you should be able to, to get after it. And so that's what I usually recommend for people. And maybe go like, just try to do one body part every day. And then when you're really gassed, if you really feel like you need it, just take the day off. Right on. Well, Mark Bell, everybody, thanks for your time. And uh, myself and the monkeys will be following from near and afar. So thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. Hey, monkeys, thanks for tuning into the show with the wild man, Mark Bell. If you want to learn more about Mark and his business, you can check him out at markbellslingshot.com. You can also find him on Instagram. He's at marksmellybell. And he posts great content. He's got a YouTube channel. And again, just someone I'd highly recommend you uh, check out and follow. So we'll see you guys out there. Monkey on. Monkey on.